The footage in this documentary was recorded by Irishmen serving in the British Army while in Afghanistan. Helmand Province, 2010. The British Army are involved in a gun battle with the Taliban. This is Operation Black Winter. Two soldiers are pinned behind a compound wall. Watch where I'm firing, he says to John Dee. He points out the correct position of the gunman. This is what the British Army euphemistically calls contact. Soldier asks for the 66. The 66 is a one-shot disposable rocket launcher. It is used to clear bunkers or buildings. You can hear the rumble of bombing in the distance. The officer fires the 66 rocket launcher. Wait, where's my air defense? There. Okay, I'll be this. Hang on, good moment. Go, Mary Joe, we alright? You're dead on. Firing from the Taliban seems to have stopped. In recent years, there have been record numbers from the Republic of Ireland joining up to the British Armed Forces. The highest rate since the Second World War. My name is uh, Sergeant Joe Kine from the 1st Battalion Red Irish. I'm from uh, Newbridge, County Kildare. Lieutenant Paddy Pratt, 1st uh, Battalion Royal Irish Regiment, uh, born and bred in Limerick. Ranger Rob, Dublin. Ranger Michael Carroll from, uh, <laughs> from Mason, Kildare. Ranger Gargan, Dublin. Ranger Hegarty from uh, County Cork. You may be wondering why some Irish people choose to be here in Helmand Province, Afghanistan.
After a gun battle, the Royal Irish are calling for air assistance. Parents would be pretty committed hippies. <laughs> they were they were supportive, you know. Um, well, yeah, they were in that sort of way. They were supportive because they knew it's what I wanted to do, and I was dead set on it. And I'd been dead set on it since I was about seventeen. Um, on the other hand, yeah, of course they were wary. Um, one of the interesting things I remember when I graduated from Sandhurst, what my mother said was, um, uh, they obviously the British military establishment then host a big lunch for the families and stuff like that. And my mother said, sort of acerbically, um, we give them our sons and they give us lunch. So one seven one five nine five three zero. Yeah, it's quite a way over. Yeah, isn't it? When I joined, it was uh, nineteen ninety seven. So it was you know Northern Ireland was in full flow at that stage. Um, my only concern was, you mean, my, most of my interviews for the, uh, for the army were up in uh, Ballymena. You could tell the difference, I mean, I just know it was going up on the train, you know, from Dublin to Belfast, and you could just tell the difference that I was entering an unknown place. Uh, Witchcraft 4-5, Witchcraft 4-5 Alfred, just to confirm, I don't now need to play this through 4-2, do I? Over. I was working as an apprentice electrician. I was a deck collector. Yeah, I was 19 when I joined the British Army. And done my leave and started finish school and worked on the buildings for a year and a half. I always wanted to be in the army. I always wanted to be in the army ever since I was a kid. Something I always wanted to do. Went for the Irish Army as well. I did try and get into the Irish Army, but they weren't recruiting at the time. I applied for the Irish Army, but I was colorblind, so couldn't get in. Yeah, I just didn't get in the first time. They told me to come back, but the Irish Army doesn't do like a combat tour of Afghanistan or anything. So I said I might as well join the British Army and get a combat tour. Like. I before to go to Afghan anyway, so better off coming over here. Oh, witchcraft four five Alpha Roger out. Matt, just let Joe know that we're, we're waiting for airspace clear now. OK. He's working as fast as he can. After a break in the gun battle, the soldiers are still waiting in a clearing for orders. There we go. We'll drop one, end it. In terms of security issues, like you need, as I said, you do need to have your head screwed on, um, so, and when you come home and stuff like that, and who you tell. But it, it, you, as as the uh, peace process was obviously um, gathering steam, it became less and less a threat. I know it's like a change now with the dissidents and stuff like that, and I'd say the guys need to be careful. Those that don't know him in the army, and they ask him where you've been, haven't seen it, then not because of political or anything like that. Just let them know oh, I'm just working on the buildings over in England, you know, stuff like that. So it's. It's just not this uh, advertise myself. Oh, witchcraft, 4 5 Alpha, yeah, shot no out. No right, rounds in there. Rounds in there. Rounds in there, rounds in there. They're moving, they're moving. The Taliban, who they have been fighting, are moving. The British Army fires smoke grenades at their position. They receive a radio dispatch that the Taliban are getting ready to attack. They take position and wait. Uh, witchcraft 4-5 Alpha. Yeah, smoke's effective. So, yeah, we'll keep up with that rate over. And then it kicks off. The gun battle will last five minutes.
me. Nice. <laughs> Things I've done in my life. In Dublin Airport, when they send away to my friends and family, my girlfriend as well. Wasn't enjoy it wasn't enjoyable. I got married just like about a month before we went as well, so that was a bit crap going away straight away. I had a mixed feeling of excitement, fear, um, all this emotion built up. So I get a week off, I was walking behind the jet at the, the engine of the plane, you know, like back, you go off and you feel the heat. I'd walk past it when fuck's a big jet engine like, you know, oh fuck, it's not, it's the heat like it. oh my god. I never really thought about it at the time, but when I got over there, like, uh, uh, I didn't make contact for the first month I was out on the ground, and because I, uh, you know, so, like, so much things going on, you know, and then when I co uh, contacted my mum, it was like, uh, why didn't you contact me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all that, this is all I want you to ring me every day from now on. Irish mammy. Yeah. As soon as it begins, it stops. The platoon make their way back to camp. The 1st Battalion, the Royal Irish Battle Group, has mounted the regiment's largest air assault since 1945. The operation was carried out in Afghanistan last month, but the Ministry of Defence has only just released the details. Okay, so a typical day while well, you'd wake up because the Afghan daylight is basically sort of from about seven till five consistently because it's geographic location. We operated throughout the winter when temperatures would go down to minus fifteen, and you're you're trying to get up out of your sleeping bag um, in a basic basic cot bed. Life hazards in isolated checkpoints operating from them checkpoints and living harsh, quite harsh. Very basic, you know, because it, because it was that dangerous out there, getting resupply, you know, there's no fresh food. It's all 24-hour rations. OK, we're going to move. We're going to move. Watch out. Watch out. Better move. Better move. 
then you'd shuffle to the kitchen. And when we first arrived, the conditions were pretty basic, and you were fed like food, like in 30 degree heat, even at that time, like hot porridge, which is practically inedible. You know, you get a quick brew, and then you're out in patrol. The guys would be well drilled. They get themselves together half an hour before you go out. You load up, you know, you put on your kit, your helmet, your heavy, um, your heavy equipment. So you're carrying about, yeah, probably about thirty kilos of stuff, including your body armor and the radios and the magazines, uh, and then your four liters of water, um, and different guys would be carrying more than that with their rocket launchers and their machine gun bullets and their heavy machine guns, and you would saddle up and get out the go out the door. Your hands are freezing, you're going through canals, so your boots are soaking wet for the rest of the day. Your clothes are completely uh, saturated. And at that time, like, you know, Sangin was a busy enough town with about 17,000 people, so you can imagine, like, it's like going to patrol Wicklow or something like that, straight out into it. And you don't know what the threat is um, and who you've heard, maybe, intelligence reports, there's suicide bombers, there's suicide bombers on bikes, there's IEDs, which are the hidden bombs in the ground. Uh, there might be snipers. There's always these things called dickers, which are guys watching you and re- and sort of talking on mobile phones. Or are they just normal, just talking on mobile phones? How do you know? Then you'd go through maybe through the town, uh, which would be dusty and busy and pass a bazaar, and then out into the patrol where you're uh, into the green zone, where it's sort of more irrigated and there's green life everywhere, and you know fields and little um, irrigation ditches. Could be out for three hours generally, I'd say, and you do about two k because you're moving so slowly and tactically. Um, and then you've got like fifty degree heat. It's freezing. Yeah, uh, absolutely freezing. And when it rained, it fucking pissed, like, really. Mm. I've never seen rain like that in Ireland before. Yeah. It's pissed, Yeah, over Christmas in January as well, it was freezing. And I think, like, it was probably colder at home, but obviously you're living in tents and stuff, and you're constantly outside, so you notice it a lot more. But in the winter, they were there's, they plant the IEDs, you know, in the winter. Yeah. Was, uh, they don't like fighting the, the cold, you know? Yeah. Mm. We found a good few IEDs as well out there, and, you know, during, during the months of December and January. Yeah, there could be a command pullers. They'd have some man sitting on the end of a string, of a string and he'd pull it. There's loads of different pressure plates. Pressure plates, yeah. Um, RC, it doesn't really work anymore. You know, you're interacting with locals every day. You know, when you arrive, they don't know you, you don't know them. There's the, that initial uh, tentative, you know, they're reluctant to come and talk to you because they don't. They might not necessarily trust you. So it's building up those relationships, talking to the locals. Uh, you might try and sort of win them over with some quick impact projects, like talk to the local muller, ask him does he want some carpets for his mosque, does he need lighting, does he need speakers, we'll provide it to him, try and win him over, we know he's a power broker, that kind of thing. Um, and then yeah swing back if you haven't been contacted or blown up um, you swing back and get back into what was like the district centre or base the DDC
and then you have a debrief talk about what you've done what could we do better did anyone notice anything you know that kind of thing and then you'd probably move on to get some some grub yeah great I'm like you made pizzas and stuff the Afghans taught, taught us how to make bread and like you could buy some like spuds and stuff off them and like flour for bread made a little oven and you can buy like cans of Pepsi and stuff off the locals and Miranda and Mountain Dew and stuff same again the next day Honestly, it's just boring, like a lot of time it's boring, you spend a lot of time on guard duty and doing patrols and stuff, and then it's gonna be quite boring. Like. You go on, you say, two patrols in a day, uh, in between, you've got to provide security for the checkpoints and stuff like that, and then at night time, you're providing security at night time for the exact same, so day and night, it's the same. You mean it's 24 hours a day? You mean there's probably occasions where you mightn't get sleep for two days? When you're in Afghanistan, all you have is the, the lads that are, are there with you, and you miss home. Um, and it's it's the same as if, if you go away traveling, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it's always when you touch back down home, you know that you're home because it is home. Uh, so if you can bring a piece of home out with you, then you will. But it's the same as anything. If uh, I had my Limerick flag with me, one of my rangers had a, his Tipperary flag, and Limerick beat Tip in the, in the league uh, earlier on in the year and I, I slagged the arse out of him for three weeks uh, because of it um, but you know th- and that's, that's that's the way it is but it's taking a piece of home out there with you you know nobody just because you've joined the British Army it doesn't mean that you've forgotten who you are or where you come from you know and there's still a lot of pride uh, for that so I come down the road in uniform and I looked at him and I was like I know him from somewhere and he said the same to me and we stopped and talking he was in school, same school as me and everyone didn't even know. I'd be two years ahead of him in school, so I would have recognised him, play football and stuff. I put my tricolour one out in my uh, PB in Afghanistan. A lot of them had like, just different flags up where people yeah. are from, so you have British flags and Northern Irish flags and tricolour and that. People even have county flags and everything. The main day is um, Paddy's Day. Party atmosphere, you wake up in the morning, you go round to the soldiers, if you're an officer, you go round to the soldiers at 6 o'clock in the morning and you wake them up with the bagpipes. The piper waking them up and playing the bagpipes and you go around giving them tea with whiskey in it with Jameson in it so that's how you start the day then you go back and have breakfast with a bit of green champagne um, then there's like a, uh, a chariot race where the soldiers get to throw all eggs and flour and all that kind of stuff at you and it's all just good crack and then you have a, have a parade and then obviously there's a good few drinks after the parade It's when the Ireland and England rugby match was on that was good cracking we all, all the Northern Irish lads and Republic lads got together and we were slagging the shit out of all the lads from England I'll tell you what we're seeing a lot of is the Irish rebel tunes, which is a kind of a juxtaposition, being in the British Army. But like when the pub, where in the messes and stuff, you know, when when everyone's had a few beers, the old Dubliners would come out and do all that kind of stuff. The Wolf Tones and you name it. So it really is kind of a a weird existence when you're sitting in a British Army base, drinking beers, listening to the Wolf Tones, you know. <laughs> The rangers are located in a remote part of Helmand province. Weekly supplies are airlifted by a Chinook helicopter. They record its arrival. 
first contact you shit yourself and I don't care what anyone says just fucking shit yourself and then after you're like holy fuck you just get up and set return on fire and then I remember my first contact was the, the very first patrol we went out on um, as, a, as a Royal Irish we got into 300 metres outside our checkpoint and then from about 300 metres further to our uh, west uh, we were engaged with rounds it was, it was about 10 rounds fired at us uh, we were in an irrigation ditch, jumped into the irrigation ditch, soaking from top to bottom. The Taliban effectively just m- started moving away, so we then started moving as well to try and see where they were going. We were in a compound, uh, we got contacted, and one of my mates was firing through a really thin metal door, and we could see them running past, and he was firing through the door at them. We were sort of creeping around in an orchard, if you imagine, kind of what a an ir- heavily irrigated pomegranate and apple orchard, so it was beautiful and sort of speck of light everywhere, and... We were creeping around very covertly, and um, a small number of us. Uh, and this guy just walked out. We were in a Taliban area, and this guy just walked out uh, with a brown dish dash, black, black turban on, big beard, brown eyes. And I was the front guy just at this stage, and he just stared at me with utter hatred. And I stared at him with utter hatred. And and it was interesting because so we just stared at each other, and he was it was like he was saying, I was saying sort of, I know you're Taliban, and he was saying, I know you, know I'm Taliban. And then it was he was saying, but I know you can't do anything because I don't have a weapon. And I, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And he, and he walked off. At the checkpoint, you've been saying, and you can tell, like, you know, they know, and you know. And you can, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you can tell when they look at you, like, some of the ones that hate you and the ones that don't really give a crap. Like. At the start of the tour, the crops were, were, were high, so you know what I mean? It was, it was hard for the Taliban to see it. So then I think it was two months into the tour, then I don't, I don't know, I think the farmers out on the fields and there was you could just see for miles and miles mm-hmm. you know so you were up out, out, out in the open Tango 1 rapid fire Tango 1 rapid fire is the call another contact wait is the call an Irish accent can be heard. Let them in first to get a gap. Helicopters fly overhead. been raining all day. We went out and patrolled. We were going out on, on, onto a, a route, clearing a route uh, that the Taliban had used quite regularly. As we were walking up, a front man um, had noticed some disturbance on the, on the ground before, about 30 metres in front of him. Um, we went firm um, to have a look at it, and next thing he noticed uh, some branches off to his right-hand side uh, moving as well. It turned out to be a command to pull IED. Um, because it, because it had been raining that day, the IED never went off, but the detonators uh, went off. Um, and if, if that IED had gone off, uh, he would have been seriously injured, if not killed. The second man would have been seriously injured, and then I was right behind them. Just see the rounds bouncing in front of your feet, like, it's crazy, like, crossing up, running across open ground, 200 metre sprint, and when I got to the far side, there was just a, a, um, the irrigation ditch that Lazarus suppressing giving us cover as we were across open ground. And as I got to the irrigation ditch, all I could do was just collapse into the ditch with exhaustion. It was crazy. We fought for 13 hours in pretty much a pitch battle. 
um, where the Taliban weren't going to do their hit and run tactics. They were going to um, try to deny us the sort of any influence in the area to contest it, you know. I had to put myself in a position where I knew the enemy was going to, you know, engage me. But uh, so I'd done that. I was in position, and for three hours, I was in the contact, you know, fighting from that position. And then the one the re- reason it sticks out is because I was pinned down for two hours. After that, yeah, I couldn't move, couldn't get up, couldn't, I mean, move any of the troops around the ground. Royal Irish are engaged in a battle. That is the hiss of a smoke grenade being launched. Get the 66 out. Don't worry about it. Watch your back. The battle continues. What was it about, you know, the Hemingway? Hemingway quote. Anyone who thinks war isn't murder should ask the infantry, ask the dead. Basically, that was that was the point there. You know, it, it is a game, um, and when you really get the one up on your enemy, um, who has been trying to kill you, it is sweet. You know, um, that might sound absolutely barbaric to a lot of your listeners, but uh, yeah, that's the way it is. They have been trying to kill you. And, and, you know, a lot of people would say, like, you know, they wouldn't do this idea of killing, like, and it really annoyed me when I got home because some of my best friends asked me, like, so, did you kill anyone? Like, it was the worst thing in the world I could have ever done. But once you're out there, yeah, and some guy is shooting at you and your men and trying to kill them, and you get him first, good luck, you know. The battle still continues. Go on, go on, keep going, he said. Since 2001, 394 British servicemen have been killed in Afghanistan. In 2011, 2,777 Afghans were killed during this conflict. Yeah, me personally, on the two tours I've done, I've um, killed seven. But um, it's four on the last tour and three on the previous one. But yeah, the closest one, uh, 100 metres. Rounds coming in past your, past your head, you know? You could, you could just hear the crack, cracking by your, by your head, and, or by your head, and you're just thinking, oh, Jesus, you know what I mean? Getting down, like, diving into the ditch. And... One of my mates was shot in the helmet. Yeah, right in the helmet, yeah. I was up on a roof and I was a couple of us were downstairs and uh, heard like a really distinct change. You can hear, you can tell like when rounds come over and a really distinct change. And uh, I was shouting up to him, asking, "Was he all right?" And I couldn't hear him. Oh, for fuck's sake! He's, he's been—I thought he'd been killed. After my mate was shot in the helmet, 
When I got up on the roof, there was turn fire. Yeah, I was thinking I was going to get it that day. We killed one insurgent, and then another insurgent, about 400 metres uh, off out to our east, engaged us again. And we had PID'd him, but he had moved behind a compound. But there was uh, an Apache in the air. Uh, we were able to direct him on onto the onto that insurgent, and then the Apache was able to take him out. So, I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm a sniper, yeah. Watch him through my sniper rifle when I hit him. I killed him, yeah, myself, yeah. A couple of them. You know, like when it happens, it's you hear it on the radio. You know, and then when coming across on the company conference calls and stuff, yeah, stuff like that. You mean it's sort of soul destroying at, the, at that point. But I mean, you tell the guys, and you mean personally, I know and, and Stephen McKee. And then when I heard that, I was like, I mean, you mean like, you know, you couldn't picture him being dead. You know, that sort of way. But I was a platoon commander for uh, Ranger Dalzell. He spent four months in the. In, in my checkpoint dealing with that is the most difficult set of circumstances you'll ever deal with uh, whether it be a ranger or uh, as a platoon commander you know tell, telling his friends uh, that, that he's no longer with us it's, 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 a, it's very hard to explain to your, to your mates you know what, what you've seen you know because they, they want to really understand the the things, you know. Shropshire, England, April 2011. The Royal Irish Regiment has been deployed home. The Royal Irish Regiment are back home at their base at Turnhill in Shropshire after the ruling six months in Afghanistan. Their tour of duty has finished. Cheers rang through Market Drayton yesterday to welcome home the Royal Irish Regiment. Thousands lined the route as the soldiers made their way to St Mary's Church for a service of thanksgiving. They will soon be going home to Ireland and holidays. Paddy and Joe go for a cigarette. You don't cigarettes, John? Hmm? You don't smoke? Yeah. Bored the tears out of me some days listening to Hajjalal Jan. You just have to do it. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the day of the really bad thunderstorm and there was a uh, hailstones? Yeah. Hailstones came down and was it Azadi was contacted? Could have been, yeah. Is uh, but we were we were only about three hundred meters away. 
but we couldn't see 10 meters in front of us. Yeah. We didn't know what the hell <laughs> was going on on edge. <laughs> and then as we were moving back, uh, about we were about a K away, and then on Bath we saw a vehicle coming down, which were there. That's fucking hell. That's fucking Yeah. Had a nice tan coming back as well. Got really hot like the last two weeks we were coming home, you know. Cheaper nights out afterwards as well, the old alcohol tolerance is down. Yeah. <laughs> Probably pissed on two points. Oh, that's it, yeah, yeah. Three, three in, cans in, and those. Cypress took me two cans and those. Uh, Fizzled, yeah. That's, uh, you have to go to Cypress, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you have, you have to go to decompression in there for 36 hours or 24 hours. 24 hours, yeah. Um, they bring you back to Cypress. Just to have a chat just with Just chill out. Just chill just out. Chill out. They bring you to the beach to give you swimming a to do. Banana boat and yeah, ice cream and, and so all the stuff that you didn't have. Do you get some cans that night and comedy gigs and so that means music. that means you have that there. So that means if you come home, that you won't go, to, you know, on the piss straight away and then go rogue all together, you know. Mm. The be security briefings for people going home and stuff as well, and you see some things they have to bear in mind, telling people at home and that, but around the campus, obviously. Secure, so it's not yeah. something you worry about. Bit of advice not to, you know, don't, don't tell people you don't need to tell. Stuff like that. Don't be telling people you don't know you're in the army. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and my brother, I mean, as says my brother's in uh, three para, so he's in, he was out on the ground as well. So he was in north of uh, Nadali, where we were. So, I mean, at the same time, he's still out there at the moment now and coming back in a few days. But he, um, yeah, me and him, you know, um, we're serving out in Afghanistan at the same time, and it's not the first time. So the last year we done the exact same as well. I rang home once, uh, on I rang home once from Afghanistan, and he was home on Arnor. So I got to speak to him then, and I said, "How's everything?" And I got a letter from him once, but that's it now. So I'm looking forward to sort of seeing him when he comes home. We have a chat of what he's done, what I've done, and all that stuff. We're going to Thailand on Sunday. <laughs> Sixteen days. I can't wait. Over the over the Thai, Phuket, to all the islands. Very nice. Full moon parties. Can't wait. All the lady boys. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, and I'll be class. I'll be class. Holy show your mother now. Aye. Just myself and one other, and one of the lads. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's from the north. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Good. One of the good mates. I'm just gonna take it easy. Go back see my girlfriend. It's the first thing I'm gonna do. And stay over for a while. And I'd still take it easy. I'd say see my family and my friends. And my friends are all eager to see pictures and videos and all that sort of thing and talk to me about it and stuff. So yeah. just, I'd say I'll just take it easy. I have no plans. I'll go on holidays in the summer now. It's a. I came back from them. Came back from Sangin early and I went to do a captain's course, a tactical awareness course, and. Uh, they had the pilots come in to show us the, wep- the effect of their weapon system. Thought it was like a fucking computer game, man. Really? And like I've seen the, the the effect of like the chunks of human flesh blown all over the remnants. Of, and you, yeah, man, bombs away, and get a load of that, and that will ruin your day. Yeah. And you're like, you prick. Everyone in my hometown knows. Everyone knows. Yeah, just got out. Well, I've only told myself, uh, I've only told my uh, a select few friends, you know. But uh, I think that the less people know, the better, you know. I never say anything, like, I never say what I do, like, just in case, because you don't know who you're going to meet, there. So I keep it quiet. Like. I own bars, like, I never tell them what I do, just make some shout up. Like, yeah. To my carbon. Friends there, so. and close family, but it's just no point in broadcasting it. Just, yeah. you don't know. But when it came down to it, I've, 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 I'm very clear in my head about my 
um, my heritage, my culture, my background. I'm very proud of it. Um, but I wouldn't see that as something that should stop me from doing something that I enjoy doing or something that I think I can make a difference in and inside the British Army. So I see myself as Irish still. I still have an Irish passport and I'm not a British citizen, so... Irish. 100% Irish. Yeah. I think even ask that question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a job. It's a, just, it's a job. Like, it's just a job. It's a... Right there! 